Acts chapter number six. I do want to tell you, I appreciate your faithfulness to pray and appreciate you praying prayers of intercession for those who have needs in their life and their home. And, you know, so often we don't have the words or the answer for what people are going through. And uh, last night as my dad came by the house on his way to Florida, you know, my dad is, uh, uh, he's a quiet man oftentimes, but to look at your dad and now I'm his pastor and want to try to ease the pain and try to give him what he needs and say exactly the right words that are going to fill the void in his heart. And I knew that I couldn't, but isn't it good that we can pray to our Heavenly Father that he gives grace? And so I hope you're faithful to pray for those on our list. And you don't have to have the right words to say. You don't have to have the answer to what they're going through. You just pray that God would give us sufficient grace for the needs that they have. Acts chapter number six, we looked last week, started a new series on a choice servant. And we're going to jump into this tonight, if we can, for the rest of the time that we have. And Acts chapter number six, look down, if you will, verse number three was our key text last week. The Bible says, wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. So there was a need in the church. And so God says, I want you to choose out some people to fill the need. Verse 5 says, and the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost. Skip down, if you will, to verse number 8. The Bible says something else about Stephen. And Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and the miracle and miracles among the people. Let's ask the Lord to bless this. Father, thank you for your word. Bless it tonight. Give us liberty, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Now, quick review of last week. What we're looking at in this series is why people get the opportunity to be used of God oftentimes in the way that God chooses to use them. And last week, we looked at verse number three as the main verse in chapter number six for the message of the choosing of a servant and how God chooses his servants. You know, oftentimes we, we don't realize that God's choosing of servants and people that he desires to use oftentimes is dependent upon the choosing and the choices that we make. Oftentimes, God chose men and women in the Word of God because of the choices that they made that made them available to be used of God. I did not give you this example last week, but I'll give it to you tonight. In 1 Samuel chapter number 15, verse number 22 through about verse number 26, uh, the Bible says that Saul was king. God had chose Saul to be king. And God had given very explicit orders for Saul to carry out exactly what God had wanted him to do. He wanted him to go in and to wipe out the Amalekites. And the Bible says that Saul said that he did that, but he was not fully obedient to God. The Bible says because of Saul's disobedience in 1 Samuel chapter 15, the Bible says that the preacher came to Saul and says, God hath rejected you. Well, you know, that's a frightening thought tonight, to be rejected of God. Now, here was Saul. We see earlier in the life of Saul, God chose him, and God wanted to use Saul. And God, as you read on in 1 Samuel, had great plans for the lineage of Saul. God desired his kingdom to continue on forever, but because of Saul's choice, because Saul disobeyed God, God rejected him from service. So notice, because of the choice of Saul, he was no longer allowed to be used of God. He chose, he says, I, I saved all of this alive to sacrifice to you, where God says, destroy, destroy it all. And Samuel says that, that God chooses obedience over sacrifice. You see, Saul's choice was directly affecting his service to God. 
Now, if you're not careful tonight, let me tell you what you're going to do. If you're not careful, you'll begin believing that God is a respecter of persons. If you're not careful, you're going to think that God cherry-picks people because of who their dad was or what college they went to or their, their, their level of knowledge of the Bible. You're going to think, well, God could never use me, and you'll start excusing yourself from being used of God because you believe God's a respecter of persons. But the Bible tells us in the book of Acts he's not a respecter of persons. That means God's an equal opportunity employer. If you want to be used of God tonight, you can be used of God. If you want to be used in the service of God, then God desires to use you. But understand this, your choices and my choices will directly affect whether or not God uses us. So last week we looked at verse number three and we saw three things in this of how God chooses a servant. Verse number three, it says, Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report. The first thing we looked at is God chooses character over capability. Now, don't excuse yourself from the service of God tonight because you're not capable, because the Bible says, I want you to look out men of honest report. So God chose character. When he chose King David, the Bible says that God looks not as man. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad God's not picking the best looking? Some of you would be in trouble tonight. Me too. Aren't you glad God doesn't choose the people with a head full of hair? Some of you, amen, amen. Aren't you glad God looks on the inside and not on the outside? The Bible says men of good report, so God chooses character. And then we saw, the Bible says, whom we may appoint over this business. That appointment was a calling that God selects and appoints people to his service as he chooses. We saw in Romans and Corinthians, the Bible says that Paul introduces himself in chapter 1 by saying, Paul called to be an apostle. Paul was serving God in the capacity of an apostle because God called him to that. Because God selected him to that. So God chose through a calling. And then the third thing we looked at real quickly in verse 3, the Bible says that we may appoint over this business. That word business means a need. God chooses people to meet the needs of others. It's a commitment. So we saw how God chooses. But tonight, we're going to turn our attention to the choices of Stephen. Uh, Stephen was the person the Lord kind of laid on our heart first, and we, we were preparing to preach this message, and we see a, a lot of things about Stephen. There's no way that we could cover all of this tonight, but I believe you'll see that Stephen made several deliberate choices that got the attention of God in order for God to desire to use Stephen. So look down to verse number three. The Bible says in the middle of this verse, the men they were looking for to be a part of this service were full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom. Look up to verse 5. The Bible says they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost. Verse 8 says something else about Stephen. And Stephen, notice, full of faith and power. Now, when you read this grocery list, I'm going to tell you, Stephen was a pretty good guy. I mean, look, in just a few years, 10, 12 years, I'll be looking for a husband for my daughter. And I'm going to tell you, I'd look for somebody like Stephen. Amen? I told you I was going to stop talking about you. I just forgot about that. I'm going to have to do better. I promise to do better. Stephen, listen, man, what an admirable guy. The Bible says he was full of the Holy Ghost. The Bible says he was full of faith. Verse number eight, the Bible says he was full of power. I mean, good night. Stephen was filled with some wonderful traits that no wonder God looked at him and no wonder God chose him. But here's my question tonight. How did Stephen get that way? How did Stephen become someone who was full of the Holy Ghost, 
full of faith, as verse 5 says. And in verse 8, the Bible says, full of power. How did Stephen get so full of these things? Was it just the fact that God says, you know, that's a good-looking kid down there, and I think I could use him, and I'm going to fill him up? Oh, no, not at all. God's not a respecter of persons. I believe tonight that Stephen chose to be filled with the things that he was filled with. I'm going to try to show that to you in the message tonight. The message is simply this, the choice of being filled. The choice of being filled. Can I tell you tonight, you have the choice of deciding what you're going to be filled with. That's a choice you have to make. Stephen wasn't hogtied by God, and God poured all of these things in his heart. These are the things that Stephen chose to be filled with tonight. And I believe the reason that God used him is because Stephen put a priority to have these things in his life. You ever been at a restaurant where uh, you ran out of sweet tea, or you ran out of whatever it is you drink, water or lemonade, and your waitress seems to fill everybody else's glass but yours? You go that way? And so you start playing with your straw. <laughs> And you start off kind of lightly because you don't want to disturb anybody. And, and then you, you get louder and louder and louder. You're trying to get her attention. Why? Because you're saying, my, my cup is empty. And you watch. Look, if you're a waitress, no offense, okay? I'm sure all of our waitresses are top notch. So that's the other church's waitresses, okay? And, uh, and you watch that waitress walk around the room, and she fills these other guys up two or three times before she ever makes it to your table. Sometimes we think God's that way. That man, God just picks out certain people that God has teachers, pets, and God picks them, and God always picks them, and they always get to do this stuff. I'm going to tell you, the reason God uses so many of the people that God uses is they make the choices to be used of God. And the things that Stephen had in his life that attracted God to Stephen were choices that Stephen made. Now tonight, folks, listen, let's, let's quit feeling sorry for ourselves because we don't get to be used of God because oftentimes God uses those who make the choices in order to be used. So tonight we're going to look at this very simple thought on the choice of being filled and notice in verse 3, verse 5, and verse 8, you see that word full, full. Now I'm going to give you this as a freebie to tie back to last week before we jump into this. It's interesting that God noticed what Stephen was full of. God noticed what Stephen was full of. Now, if I had a cup up here for you tonight, just say an old, old plastic cup, you know, if you want to know what was on the inside, you'd have to come over and look, right, to see what it's full of. We see that God was looking on the inside of Stephen. Now, here's what's interesting tonight. The first thing about this thought of being full, full describes a level of occupation, Full describes a level of occupation. Think about this. Have you ever been to a concert? I'm sure it was a Christian concert. Amen, right? Amen. You ever been to, uh, I remember we went to Broadway on our 10th anniversary. My wife wanted to go to a Broadway show to go see the Lion King. And we were trying to price tickets. And we were pricing tickets on different days. And they would tell us that the tickets were sold out. They were telling us that that night, all of the seats in the, uh, the theater, what was it called? Yeah, the Minskoff Theater, all of the seats in there were full. Now understand this tonight. What God is saying about Stephen is Stephen chose to be full of the Holy Ghost, faith, and power. Here's what that means tonight. That means in Stephen's heart and Stephen's life, it was reflective that it was occupied by God. You see, the word full gives us an idea of a level. Okay, if something is full, it means it is filled to the top level that it can be filled. Now, this is an important thing to understand. 
Stephen, I believe, was used of God, listen close, because he chose not to limit how much of his heart and his life was occupied by God. The Bible says full, full of Holy Ghost, full of faith, full of faith and power. Stephen did not hold back from God. He was literally sold out. Understand tonight, God oftentimes, you'll see in the word of God, uses people that were fully surrendered to his will and his way. Now don't be surprised tonight if God only uses you for half of your capacity if you're only halfway surrendered to God. Think about it. God's not going to fully use you if you're not fully surrendered. You wonder why God uses people that aren't as good looking as you, they aren't as talented as you, they aren't as smart as you, but God uses them more than you. Why? Because God looketh not on the outside. God looks on the inside. And God says, look, they've allowed every seat in their heart and their life to be filled with the things of God. Now, if you hold back from God tonight, don't be, don't be surprised if God holds back from you. Think about it tonight. We, I wonder tonight, could it be that God holds back opportunities from us because we hold back ourselves from him? Could that be possible? Could it be possible that we have, you know, when you have funerals, you have these first few rows in a funeral, and we have those little seat markers on them that says reserved. That's a nice way to say don't sit there. That's what that means. Some folks still don't listen, but, you know, that's what it means anyway. Don't sit there. Now, folks, I believe oftentimes in our heart, we have seats that are reserved that we hold back from God and we say, God, you can have these seats and God, you can have those seats, but God, these seats are mine. They're reserved for me. You see, we're not fully surrendered to God. Those that are fully used of God, oftentimes you'll find in the word of God is those that were fully surrendered to God. And I believe the reason that God chose Stephen is because Stephen was fully available all of his seats. He says, God, whatever you want to put in the seats of my heart and my life, God says, Stephen says, I want you to have them. Think about Caleb in Numbers chapter 14 and verse 24. Listen to what the Bible says about Caleb. My servant Caleb, because he had another spirit with him and hath followed me fully. Now, boy, was Caleb used of God? Absolutely. You can't hardly think about the word Joshua without thinking about Caleb. But how Joshua and Caleb and how they got to go into the promised land and how they got the inheritance. Why do you think that God just, you know, says, Caleb and Joshua, I'm going to pick you guys, but I don't like the other ten. I'm going to give them an inheritance, but not you, these guys. I don't like these guys over here. No, the Bible says that Caleb fully followed him. What does that mean? That means Caleb's entire heart was God's. Now tonight, if you hold back your heart and your life from God, if you hold back your abilities from God, you hold back your time from God, don't be surprised if your service and the usefulness you have for God is not limited to. Stephen was full, the Bible says, full of these things. I think about a Western I saw years ago. I couldn't remember the name of it to save my life. And um, this little kid was going to run away from home. And so the kid cleans out his piggy bank and puts the money in a little satchel and he goes to the train depot. He's fixing to run away. And he goes up to the train depot and he puts his money up on the counter. He says, I want to go as far as this will take me. The guy opens up the bag and he says, man, I don't, I don't know that that can get you two miles from here. He just had some plug nickels saved up and he, he had a few coins saved up. There wasn't a lot in there to get him very far. Now, folks, I want you to know, when it comes to God taking us farther than we can go on our own, we don't give him much to work with. 
We want God, listen, we want God to do great things through us, but we withhold great things from him in our heart. The Bible says that Abraham, in Genesis chapter 22, we see this. Genesis chapter 22, the Bible says that God told Abraham, I want you to take thy son, thine only son. Now that key word in there is only. That son that, that God promised him, Isaac, that God had given him, that was all that Abraham had in way of an heir. That was it. And God says, I want you to take thine son, thine only son, take him up to Mount Moriah and sacrifice him to me. God says, I want all that you've got. Now, God knew exactly what Abraham was going to do. Don't think for a second that God was waiting to see what Abraham was going to do. God knew exactly what Abraham was going to do. Can I tell you the question that was answered on top of Mount Moriah? was how much Abraham was going to be sold out to God. Abraham was about to find out how much he was willing to trust God with. Abraham takes his son, and they begin to march up the hill. And, oh, can you imagine the heartbreak that Abraham felt when his son says, there's the fire, there's the wood, but where's the sacrifice? Where's the lamb? God, and Abraham says, God's going to provide himself a, a lamb. God's going to do that. God's going to take care of it. You go up on the mountain and you know the story. God supplies the ram that is caught in the thicket. And from that moment, Abraham understood just how far he was willing to go for the God that he was called by. Now, folks, the song that we've sung, I don't know if you've sung it lately, but the song we've sung oftentimes is, Is Your All on the Altar? Think about that. Is Your All on the Altar? We want God to do great things through us and we want to serve God in a full capacity, but we don't want to surrender a full capacity to God. Listen to the, the verse, the first verse, I believe it is, of Israel, all on the altar. You have longed for sweet peace and for favor to increase. You have earnestly so fervently prayed, but you cannot find rest nor be perfectly blessed until all on the altar is laid. What is it saying? It says the peace that you're missing in your life, that peace that you're lacking in your life, that what you're looking for to fill the void in your life will only come when you fully surrender to God. You want to be used of God, and you want God to do great things through your life and through your family, but the problem is we hold back from God. Stephen was used of God. Why? Because Stephen chose to be filled. Now remember, God's not going to invade your will. God is not going to invade your will. God's not going to come to your heart and demand that you surrender it over. Your heart must be willingly surrendered over to God, and that's what Stephen did. Stephen had no reserved seats. God, you can't have this. God, you can't have that. He says, God, you can have all of it. That's why God used Abraham. That's why God used Stephen. Andrew Murray, his famous quote says this, God is ready to assume full responsibility for the life wholly yielded to him. God is ready to assume full responsibility to the life that is wholly yielded to him. Now let's break just that, that quote apart real quick. That God is ready to take full responsibility. I think all of us tonight want God to take full responsibility of our life. God, I want you to take responsibility of my needs. And God, I want you to take responsibility of protecting my children. God, I want you to take responsibility for my whole life. But it's the second part that we fall short in. It says, for the God is ready to assume full responsibility for the life wholly yielded to him. We want God to take full responsibility, but we don't want to wholly yield. Oh, no, God, I don't know how many times I've sat in a church service and you feel God begin stirring your heart and God says, I want that seat right there. God says, I want that place right there in your life. You say, no, God, don't take that. 
God, you can have every other seat in my heart. God, you can have every other place in my heart, but please, I don't want you to take that, and we hold that back from God. And that's why we miss out on that sweet peace that we could have. Matthew chapter 14, we have the boy with five loaves and two fishes. Doesn't seem like a whole lot. Five loaves and two fishes. The Bible says that that little lad, that little boy, was willing to give Christ all that he had. And we are still talking about that little boy today. And that little boy's act of service and how God used him, why he was willing to give God all of it. He didn't say, all right, God, I'm going to give you four loaves and one fish. I think that's more than fair. I mean, the disciples didn't have anything to begin with, so, I mean, that's a pretty good trade. But no, he gave it all, all five loaves and all two fishes. And boy, God took that full surrender from him, and God blessed it, and God used him. Now, folks, I wonder what God could do with just the folks that are here tonight if we fully surrendered to God. Say, God, I'm going to lay it all on the altar tonight. I'm not holding anything back from you. I'll bet you just the people in this room could shake Mississippi for the cause of Christ. But our problem is we're not fully anything. We're not full of the Holy Ghost. We're not full of faith. We're not full of power because we hold back things from God. First Kings 17, we were in there just a few weeks ago. When Elijah was camped out by the brook Cherith, the Bible says that God, after the brook dried up, sent him to the widow of Zarephath. He gets to the widow of Zarephath's house, and the, he tells her, I want you to bake me a cake. I mean, can you imagine the preacher showing up at your house saying, bake me a cake? Some of you are sweet enough, I think you would do it. Some of you, I think he'd slam the door in my face if I showed up and said, hey, I want you to bake me a cake. But Elijah did it. I'm not Elijah either. You say, well, if you were Elijah, I'd bake you a cake. But you're not Elijah, so I understand that fully. She says, my son and I are going to, we have a handful of meal and a little bit of oil. We're going to cook this. We're going to eat it. We're going to die. Elijah says, cook me a cake first. So she took that little bit. That's all she had left. And she made him a cake. And the Bible says that the meal barrel and the cruise of oil never failed. That means God just kept taking care of it. God kept taking care of it. God kept, man, the widow of Zarephath, we're still talking about her. How God used that little lady. I look forward to meeting her when we get to heaven. You know why God used her? She didn't hold anything back. She was fully surrendered to God. Several years ago, I was up in Colorado elk hunting. And uh, at 3,000 acres, we were hunting on right across the street from Pikes Peak. I mean right across the street from Pikes Peak. And we were up there hunting, and there was a herd of elk kind of moving through, migrating through. We were trying to uh, surround them. And I, I got over to the next to the property line. I saw these signs that says, no trespassing. I knew exactly what they meant, no trespassing, okay? So I'm not one of these guys going to jump the fence. Some of you may be, and you get that right with God, but I'm not going to do that. I get over about 50 yards from the fence. There's a house through the woods there, and this guy is a notorious tree hugger. Don't shoot the animals kind of guy, you know? And uh, as I got about 50 yards from the fence line, bullets begin flying not at me, just in the air. Boom, 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 boom. Here's what happened. The, the elk were moving down below me, and I was trying to move into where the elk were at, and he was going to scare them off. So then when he runs out of his handgun, he comes out with a shotgun. Boom, 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 boom. He's shooting up in the air. He's trying to scare the animals off and to let me know I'm not welcome there. I want you to know, I'm not the smartest guy in the world, but it didn't take me long to figure out that he didn't want me in that area. I mean, it wasn't long. I'm, I'm hunkered down. I went up there to elk hunt. Next thing you know, we're making tactical moves and rolling down the hills and climbing through the grass. I understood real quick. He let me know he didn't want me there, okay? Now, let me tell you, oftentimes we come to the house of God, and God begins moving in on our territory, and we do things to let God know he's not welcome in certain areas of our life. We resist the Holy Spirit of God. 
That's why the Bible tells us not to quench the spirit. We quench the spirit of God when we tell God there's areas of our life with no trespassing signs on it. No, God, I'm not willing to do that. No, God, I'm not willing to go that far. No, God, I'm not willing to lay that down. No, God, I'm not willing to take that up to the Mount Moriah and lay it on the altar. And then we miss out on being used of God the way we could have been. Notice the Bible says, verse 3, seek out men full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom. Verse 5, seek out men, the Bible says, full of faith and of the Holy Ghost. Verse 8, the Bible says Stephen was full of the power and the faith. Now, folks, if we want to be full, I want you to understand that is a choice. You choose what you're going to be filled with. Stephen was filled with these things because exactly what Stephen wanted. He says, God, if you want it, you can have it. I let go of all of it. I was reading about oranges today and uh, fruit. I was trying to find the, I, I saw an illustration years ago about picking fruit and how you know when it's ripe. And I don't know if you've ever done this. I've done it with tomatoes. I've done it with oranges. I've done it with plums before where you walk up to the, the tree and the fruit is ready and the fruit is ripe and you just barely touch it and it falls off in your hand. Some of you need to get out more. You're looking at me like, what? Yes, fruit grows on trees. And you go up there and, and how you know that it's ready, I mean, it just turns loose. Oh my goodness, that, those tomatoes are the best. You don't have to twist them, you know, like they do. The reason they still have the vines on them in the grocery store is they weren't ready when they took them, okay? That's why they have to leave the vines hooked to them. You go up there and you grab it and it just breaks right loose. That's how you know it is ready. Can I tell you how you know you're ready to be used of God? You just turn loose. All you got to do is bump you. God puts his hand on you and God puts his hand on something in your life and he just bump and it just, I'm going to turn it loose. I'm going to let it go. I believe the reason God used Stephen and Stephen was a choice servant is because Stephen made the choice to be filled. Now, here's what's interesting. Look down back if you will to verse number, uh, verse number eight. The Bible says, and Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and miracles among the people. So notice he, what he did was a reflection of what he was full of. What he did and how God used him was a direct reflection of what he was full of. So full describes our occupation, how much God is in our life. And I'm going to tell you, your service to God and what you accomplish for God is directly associated with what you surrender. You make more room for God in your life. You make more room for God in your schedule. You make more room for God in your heart. You'll be surprised at all that God will do through you. But when we refuse to surrender, don't be surprised if God doesn't. The second thing I want you to notice is these things that were mentioned is fullness describes our level of priority. Fullness describes a level of occupation, okay? Stephen was full because he wanted God to have every part of his heart, but it also describes a level of priority. Remember this, what occupies our life, our time, and our heart will show what matters most to us. What occupies our heart, our life, our schedule, our calendar will show what matters most to us. I'm learning to live by a calendar. It's different for me. It really is. My wife used to be my calendar, and I would just ask her what I was doing, and she didn't mind telling me what I was going to be doing. I think it goes back to the Garden of Eden or something like that. But now I, in the morning, the first thing that I do when I get back to the office is I look at my calendar, and it's usually got something going on, two or three things today, two or three things tomorrow, different places to be, different hospitals and whatnot that are on there. And do you know the things that I take time to put on my calendar? Those are the important things. You know, I don't put on my calendar, eat a bowl of cereal at 7 a.m. You don't have to tell me to do that. I'm going to do that anyway. You don't have to put on the calendar, you know, when you, when you get home, take a shower. I don't put that on there, you know, because I can take it or leave it. But man, I'll put on there. 
Don't forget up to the hospital tomorrow. Don't forget about that surgery tomorrow. Don't forget about that funeral tomorrow. Don't forget to check on so-and-so at their test results tomorrow. You see, the things I'm willing to put on my calendar shows the priorities of my life. Now, understand this. What our life is full of really is a reflection of what our priorities are. Stephen was full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom. Why? It was a priority. It was a priority. You, you ever meet those people who can ring the doorbell of heaven when they pray? I love being around those people. You ever hear them start praying and you're standing there and you want to peek and see if Jesus is standing beside them? It's that real. You're like, he's got to be. I heard a guy pray one time. They were praying for a new church bus. And I'm not kidding. I looked up at him during the prayer thinking, man, he was talking directly to Jesus. It was just like that. Can I tell you why some people seem to have a closer walk with God and a closer connection with God? Get ready. This is really, really deep. It's because they made a priority of it. They wanted it. The reason Stephen was full of the Holy Ghost wasn't because God just picked him and said, he's my pet. No, Stephen chose to be full of the Holy Ghost. Why was Stephen full of faith? Because Stephen chose to make that a priority. The things in our life that our life is full of ultimately are things that we chose to put there. I'll give you an example. Romans chapter number one. I'm going to hurry for the sake of time tonight. Romans chapter one. If you want to turn there, I'll read it for you. Uh, and we can kind of follow along. Listen to this in Romans chapter one. The Bible talks about some folks here who made choices. And I want you to see the outcome of their choices in Romans chapter one. The Bible says in verse number 18, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth and unrighteousness. Watch verse 19. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath showed it unto them. So they're not living in ignorance. Okay? For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power. What does that mean? It means you can tell there's a God by just looking around the world and seeing the creation. Look, if you don't believe there's a God, go up to, to, to Wesley Hospital or Merritt Hospital and look at that little bitty baby, that beautiful little baby that was born today. It's, a, it's the craftsmanship of God. The Bible says in verse 21 that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God. That's a choice. They knew him, and yet they decided not to glorify him as God. The Bible says neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations. Verse 22, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. And changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like unto corruptible man. That's a choice. There's another choice. Finally, we get down to the place. You look at verse number 29. The Bible says, being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, and whispers. Notice what they were full of. Notice the Bible says they were full of all of these wicked things. Why? Because that's what they chose to be full of. They chose their priorities and what their life was filled with reflected that. Now, folks, listen, do not excuse yourself from being used of God because I'm not this and I'm not that. God doesn't look on the outside. God looks on the inside. And what's on the inside is what you choose to be filled with. The Bible tells us in the book of Acts, chapter number 13, verse 45, they were filled with envy. Acts chapter 5 and verse number 17, the Bible tells us of those that were filled with indignation. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 18, you know this one well. The Bible says to be filled with the Spirit. 
to be filled. Now, if God's commanding it to us, it means it's something we're supposed to do. But you're not going to do it if you don't choose to do it. Be filled with the Spirit. So full describes our level of priority. Oftentimes in my life, the things that I let go of, the things that I forget about, the things that I did not get done in my day, it was not done because it was not a priority. You remember what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 23, verse 23, I believe it is. The Bible says that you've omitted the weightier matters. Now think about that. You've omitted the weightier matters of, of judgment. You've omitted them. That means you've chosen to let those things go. You see, your priorities will show up in the things you let go. I read a story a while back about two paddle boats racing from Memphis to New Orleans, two old-fashioned paddle wheel boats. And so they had all their cargo loaded up, and they're going to race fully loaded all the way to New Orleans, and whoever could unload their cargo first would win. So they started up at Memphis, and they took off, and man, they're burning it, getting as hot as it can go, and they're flying south, getting down as fast as they can to New Orleans. The story goes on to say that they were burning, going so fast, they burned up all their wood halfway before they got there. So they started reaching and grabbing the crates of cargo and throwing the crates of cargo into the fire. When they got all the way down to New Orleans, the man that had won the race, he sure enough won. He crossed the finish line first, but he had no cargo left. He'd burn up all of his cargo to win the race. You see, his priority was on winning the race, not finishing with his load of cargo. He had burned up the priority, what he was supposed to be doing. You see, the things that we throw in the fire and the things we let go and the things that burn up, that shows us what our priority really is in our life. So number two, the fullness that Stephen had described a level of priority. This is what Stephen chose. And the last thing, this is important. When something is full, it means it's without availability. When something is full, it means there's no availability. When we were trying to get tickets to one of the, the Broadway shows there in New York, we were calling around and they would say, we don't have availability, we're full. We don't have availability. So why is it so important that you make sure your heart and your life is full of the things of God? Well, this is very important. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 27, the Bible says, neither give place to the devil. Neither give place to the devil. You see, as Stephen's heart was fully surrendered to God, fully, there was no room for the devil to take up residence in his life. Let me tell you, God wants to use people that are fully surrendered, that 100%, they surrender over the title and the deed of their heart and their life to him because they're not holding anything back that the devil could fire at them from. But when you withhold places in your heart and your life from God, you may give God 95% of your heart and 95% of your life, but that 5% area is where the devil will take up residence. You would be amazed at how many people I counsel on a daily basis who are dealing with something, not because 95% of their life is not God's. It's because 5% is not. And the devil will take up residence in that 5%, and he can wreak havoc on you with just 5% of your heart. Stephen was fully given over to God. His whole heart, his whole life, his whole mind, it was God's. He was full. There was no room for the devil to take up residence. 1 Kings chapter 11, the Bible tells us about Solomon. Listen close in verse number 6. And Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord and went not fully after the Lord. Notice that. 
Very important sentence. And Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord and went not fully after the Lord. You see, there was part of Solomon's heart he held back from God. And that's where the devil took up residence. What was the result? The Bible says he did evil in the sight of the Lord. Psalms 106, it's, it's one I quote often. The Bible talks about the children of Israel. And the children of Israel did not destroy the Canaanites. They did not destroy the heathen people of the land that God had led them into. And the Bible says this in Psalms 106, they became a snare unto them. You see, they did not be fully obedient to God. They held back their obedience. They were not fully obedient. And the one area that they weren't fully obedient in came back to bite them. How often does that happen in our life? God, I'm going to give you 95%. That sounds really good. My daughter comes home from school and she makes a 95. That's great. That's a good, good score. But oh, what the devil can do is 5%. The children of Israel, I mean, look, they left Egypt. They followed God. They murmured along the way. But, you know, there's just one little group of people they're going to spare. And what they spared came back, the Bible says, to become a snare unto them. Before Joshua died, he would say this in Joshua 23. Before Joshua died, he encouraged the people, keep moving forward, keep moving forward, to follow God with all of their heart. And a key word, all. He says, but if you turn back and you go back and you marry and you intermingle with the people that God called you from, the Bible uses this word. It says, they'll become a thorn to you. A thorn. I don't know about you, but boy, I've had some thorns in my life. And those thorns were from rose, rose bushes that God told me to pull up. But I did not surrender over to him. Look, folks, we can hold on to sin. We can hold on to immorality. We can hold on to bitterness. Whatever it is you're holding on to, that will become a thorn to you. God looked down at Stephen. He says his whole life is surrendered. There's no room for the devil to take up residence. Oftentimes, our spiritual resistance originates from unsurrendered territory in our life. That's why you're not going to go very far. God's looking down for somebody that he can use, somebody that he can put into his service, but he looks in your heart, he sees that one area of unsurrendered territory, and he knows the devil was going to take up residence in that one spot of unsurrendered territory. And he knows he's going to trip you up. And there's, look, there's no point in you even trying to serve God with holding that in your heart. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Bible says, the Lord will not hear me. I'm holding on to something God says, let go. Stephen sent a message to God that he was ready for service. How did Stephen send a message to God he was ready for service? He was choosing to be filled. He showed God, look, 100%, whatever you want, you got it. I'll lay it on the altar. I'm full of the Holy Ghost, full of faith, full of power. He sent the right messages to God, and boy, was Stephen used of God. Now, here's my question tonight. I wonder who we're sending the better message to. Are we sending a message to God that we want to be used because we're fully surrendered? Or are we sending a message to Satan by holding on to things in our life that God has says let go of? I may have told you this story before, but I'll give you this in closing. Several years ago, I was preaching a, a, a youth conference or something somewhere, and there was my future sister-in-law. She was not my sister-in-law yet. My future sister-in-law was there, and there was this really ugly guy hitting on her. I probably shouldn't have said he was ugly. Did I quench the spirit by that? He wasn't Tom Cruise, we'll put it that way, okay? He was, wasn't real sharp looking. And man, she was not interested. She was not interested in this guy. So she goes over to her mother, and she borrows a wedding ring from her mother. 
and slides it on her ring hand and prominently kept displaying it out there to let the guy know I'm not available, okay? Now, I don't think it worked, you know, but she was trying to send a signal to the guy, leave me alone. I don't want nothing to do with you, you know, and she married the better man, my brother. He's, he's definitely better looking than that other guy was, but she got the right one in my brother. But she was trying to send a signal, I'm not available. Do you, do you realize tonight that when there's something in your life that God has says get rid of and surrender and you don't, you're signaling to Satan you're available. I'm holding back a spot for you. He looked down in Stephen's life and he says, look, he's not available. He's fully surrendered. He, he's not holding any seats back. He's not holding anything back. He made a priority of faith and wisdom and power. Listen, folks, we've got to be a choice servant by making choices to be filled with the things of God. A choice servant is one who serves because of his surrender. You want to be used of God's surrender. It's amazing. I have people tell me all the time, it's easy to be an armchair quarterback preacher. I'm going to tell people, why don't you surrender your life to Christ? Get in the game. Surrender something. I have people that sit in their recliners trying to tell me how to pastor a church. I'm like, you ought to surrender and try it for yourself every once in a while. It's not as easy as you think it is. Surrender. Show God you're serious. Let go. Open up all the seats, God. Whatever you want, you've got it. You want to be used of God? You will serve based on your surrender. That's why he used Abraham. That's why he used Stephen, because they were fully surrendered. You'll serve based on your priorities, and you'll serve based on the fact you're not giving place to the devil. Tonight, I don't know about you, I want to be a choice servant. I want to be somebody that God would choose to do something for the cause of Christ, but he's going to choose those who make the choices that get his attention. They're surrendered. Their priorities are right, and they're not giving place to the devil. Let's have our heads bowed tonight, our eyes closed. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed.